0: Aging Matters is sponsored in part by the Aging Life Care Association, an organization of aging life care professionals. Aging life care professionals offer guidance, advocacy, and support for older adults and their families in order to maximize quality of life. An aging life care professional can be there for your loved one when you can't be. More information about the Aging Life Care Association is available at www.midatlanticalca.org.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to Aging Matters on Arlington Independent Media's community radio station, WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. I'm Cheryl Beversdorf, your host. Before telling you about today's program, I want to talk about Arlington Independent Media, also known as AIM, the place where Aging Matters is produced. For almost four and a half years, with the assistance of skilled AIM staff, trained volunteers, and state-of-the-art media equipment, I have been able to offer timely aging topics to help older adults lead healthier and more productive lives. AIM gives me the chance to produce shows that inform and enlighten older Arlington residents. Not only that, their care partners and families as well. AIM is a valuable community resource for Arlington's older adults, and I'm proud to be a part of and support this organization. I hope you will too. You can show your support with a tax deductible donation at wera.fm or arlingtonmedia.org or by sending AIM a good old fashioned check. Visit wera.fm or arlingtonmedia.org and look for the Donate button in the upper right corner. Please, help support Arlington Independent Media, a community resource that offers timely topics that matter to older adults today. Thank you. Now let me tell you about today's program. On July 28, 2020, Aging Matters featured two guests representing different generations. One, an older Arlington resident, the other, a recent graduate student from Marymount University. Each of them shared their views about how they and their peers were coping with the coronavirus pandemic. Today, these two guests, Carol Burnett, a longtime Arlington, Virginia resident, and Michaela Andrews, now a health educator for the Department of Health in St. Petersburg, Florida, are with me again. Each of them will talk about how they have coped with COVID-19 over the past 14 months and what changes and challenges they faced in their lives. They'll also talk about whether they have received the vaccine. And finally, each will talk about the future and what that will mean for them in their lives. So welcome, Carol and Michaela, and thank you for joining me today.
2: Thank you for having us.
1: So let's start, Will. We've got a number of questions here that I'd like to get uh, opinions of, of both of you. So let's start with you, Carol. Has your living situation changed since the pandemic began? Uh,
2: nope, I'm in the same single family house with a backyard.
1: Okay. And, and Michaela, I mentioned this already that you have a new position. So tell us a little bit more about that.
3: Yes. So I went from living in Arlington with four roommates to now living in the beautiful, sunny St. Pete, Florida, uh, just myself and my animals.
1: Okay. So let's talk about the past 14 months and Carol, again, we'll start with you. This past year, what has been the biggest change that, that you faced in, in connection with the pandemic?
2: I think probably I used to be very active in going to a lot of community meetings and very involved with community events. Uh, And I had a a pretty active social life with a lot of friends, a lot of going to lunch because I'm retired. So doing things like that and all that just stopped. And so all of a sudden, instead of being on the go every day with two or three things a day on my calendar, I went to zero, nothing, just
1: stay at home. (laughs) Okay. And how about you, Michaela?
2: Um, similar to
3: Carol, you know, recreating my communication style, uh, to be precautious of COVID, um and just trying to find something to do when you can't really do anything or go anywhere and kind of still trying to find your life being purposeful. Um and working in a school, obviously. Now I am based out of a school, um, and that's been very challenging to adjust to.
1: And Michaela, I just kind of wanted to uh, get a little bit of sense, because as I said, in July, you were a graduate student, and and I recall you had a job. When did you actually change jobs, and how did you find that job when you were up here in Arlington, and then now you're down in Florida? Well, so all of
3: my jobs besides one, the one at the hospital, um, were cut short. And I had worked three or four jobs all throughout graduate school to help pay for everything, obviously. (laughs) Um, But I just said, you know, if everything's going to be closed down and there was talks that the winter was going to be horrible. So I said, well, if I'm not going to be able to do anything, I might as well be able to sit on a beach, you know, and stay to myself. Uh, So I just kind of moved down here. I had enough of my savings account, thankfully, for... Uh, to ask me to find a job. And I just, luckily, this position came open and I got it.
1: And when did you start the, the job?
3: Um, at the right after Labor Day. I believe it was like the 9th or 10th of September.
1: Okay. So for each of you, again, well, well, as long as we're talking with you, Michaela, and then we'll go back to Carol. Obviously, you said that that everything kind of shut down. What what was your greatest challenge?
3: Um, really, just dealing with all the uncertainty and trying to adjust to the ever-changing um, information and precautions that were needed to take. Also, just the total unrest and uneasy feel of the civil hostility that we've been dealing with for, in addition to the pandemic this past year.
1: Can you elaborate a little bit on that? What What are you referring uh, to?
3: Like the presidential election, um, all the protests and the movements, just kind of taking everything in as a whole and just trying to, you know, you kind of, we're now forced to, I don't know, rethink kind of what we say or what we do. We're more precautious about everything where, you know, a year ago before all this, we'd kind of just walk out the door and not really think about anything. And now we have to think of COVID, we have to think of um, upsetting one another or, you um, Getting stuck into a protest or seeing just horrible things on the news every day—it's just a lot to deal with and adjust to.
1: Okay, and, and Carol, how about you?
2: Well, I a little bit for me was that until until the election finally was completed on January sixth, I was pretty tense in my. Just staying at home and watching the news all the time because there was just, as Michaela said, there's like so much social unrest and uh, the sorts of, you know, uh, the whole thing around the election and the challenges and all this just like made me crazy to some days i said i shouldn't watch the news because this is so upsetting and um i think you know then the capital being taken over and that whole insurrection thing just being living in washington and hearing the sirens all day and everything it was it was pretty upsetting uh, and then of course we just moved straight from that into more mass shootings and more police shootings and that sort of stuff just um, it's upsetting to to, to listen to and watch every day and I think because we're stuck at home we see more of it and so it's it's having a bigger impact on us than when we used to be so busy and out doing things
1: and I think you actually uh, already kind of answered the next question, Carol, of what, what would have helped address these challenges. It, it sounds like already what you have done is you just don't watch the news as, as much. A- anything else that you kind of have adopted a new behavior to deal with all of these, these traumatic thoughts and, and events? I don't know that I did a really good job,
2: frankly. Okay. I, 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 I probably could have uh, used some better advice from somebody or something, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's been a challenge, and uh, it, it seems like I thought once the election was over, we'd go back to a more normal life, but it's not, and it's gotten worse because of all of the related issues with COVID, you know, masks and people not wearing masks, and you go someplace and someone doesn't have a mask on, how are you going to deal with it? You know, those sorts of things just really start to wear you down.
1: Right. And, and how about you, Michaela? I mean, obviously, throughout this period, and then you you moved to Florida, so it was a new environment. What What's helped you address all of these challenges that you spoke of? Um,
3: really my support system. I mean, we're all pretty much not clueless to what's going on, but we don't know what's going to happen next. So we really just kind of take it day by day. We check in with each other a lot. It kind of helps deal with all of the extra stuff as well. Um, but I wish like I did stop watching the news. Um, and I think if we did have like real, not, more opinions, opinion based news, but real news that just presented the actual facts and you know, everything, honest news. um, That would have been nice.
1: (laughs) Right. And, and Michaela, not only in terms of your support network, helping you deal with these, these issues that you've been talking about you and Carol, but over the past 14 months, how have you been engaging with your your social networks, your family, your friends, your neighbors? Especially, of course, the first part when everybody had to stay at home, and now things are loosening up a little bit. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later when we start talking about um, vaccine. But what what was that? What has spent that been like um, throughout the the past fourteen months for you?
0: Um,
3: well when I was living in Arlington, um, I think even the last time we had talked, I'd would go home to Connecticut. I'd gone home a few times. I would receive a negative COVID test before going. Um the only time I've really traveled this past year was going home for Christmas. Um and I got a neg- I drove home even in the prior times. Um I got a negative COVID test for that and everybody at home was, you know, felt comfortable with me coming. Um, and since I've moved to Florida, I haven't really done much, but I've had a lot of family come visit me and, um, I have a friend who lives not too far away from me. So we get together here and there, but we still wear masks and, you know, still take precautions.
1: So it sounds like there's not a lot of friends or colleagues down in Florida where you are.
3: Yeah, I just have my aunt who lives right in St. Pete, uh, my grandma who lives over on the East Coast, and then a friend who lives up in Gainesville.
1: Okay. And and Carol, you told us earlier that you had to stay at home a lot. What what was your experience in, uh, insofar as your social network, your family and friends and neighbors?
2: I, I, I did a lot of Zoom meetings. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I'm, I've pretty much had it with Zoom, I have to say. Uh, that seemed to sort of be the way that everybody communicated and a, a group of us had a, a once a month happy hour. Uh, instead of going to lunch, we had a happy hour on Zoom, and, but uh, you know, it, it, it was hard because I think we all sort of got, Zoom was sort of fun a year ago. And then it got <laughs> to be sort of a, I, I guess, a more of a, a challenge and task that uh, just wasn't as much fun anymore.
1: After a while, you feel like you're you're looking at Hollywood Squares all the time, and it's <laughs> exactly. it's very two dimensional, and uh, it, it's hard. I, I I share your your feelings about Zoom on that. So, and and then since we're talking with you. When you did interact with people, what was that like, um, you know, greeting people or did you dine with friends? And if so, besides the usual, you know, wh- how did that look?
2: Well, you know, I, I, I have a, a, a little small core of six friends and we all have the same type of dog. And so we used to always get together so our dogs could have play dates and then we would have dinners and stuff like that. We sort of kept seeing each other uh, once a month for dinner um, and we wore masks and we social distance and I guess we just crossed our fingers and hoped for the best because we really just felt like we had to have this interaction. The, uh, two of the other people in this group live alone And I think they really craved having this once a month sort of dinner party with the dogs and, you know, would be together for maybe two hours. And, uh, you know, I I, I guess we rolled the dice and it worked because none of us got sick. We obviously were very careful, but uh, we just had to do that.
1: A lot of elbow bumps there, too, I imagine yeah. right? <laughs> that's that seemed to be the greeting of choice. How about you, yes. michaela? how what did what did the new interaction for you? What did that look like? It's
3: so weird seeing people now and meeting people. I mean, even seeing my friends and family, you're still can I give you a hug? Can I give you a high five? I'm not really sure. I coached a soccer team, the high school soccer team I work at, and that was just so weird, like no high fives. You can't celebrate goals scored. Um, there are limited banquet options and team bond. It was just such a surreal athletic experience. Like it, it was just mind
1: blowing. And, and that's still going on for you, I suspect, right?
3: Um, soccer season ended, um, back in April.
1: Okay. Okay. As I said, I'm going to be talking with both of you about getting um, vaccinated, but I, I, Carol, you kind of mentioned it already, but was Zoom uh, for you, was the Zoom meetings, that, was that the, the new communication technology that you, you learned? Was there anything else that, uh, another way that you interacted with family members or friends besides Zoom?
2: You know, I don't think so. I mean, um, I did have, I do have one friend who who moved out to Colorado a year ago. And um, she and I got into a habit of watching Saturday Night Live every week on Saturday night and sitting with our phones and texting each other talking about the show. And that, and so we'd, you know, get out a bottle of wine, get out our phones, watch the show and sit and text instead of where you might normally be with the person and talk to them. We were texting. Um, That's about the only thing I did different uh, other than Zoom things.
1: Okay. And how about you, Michaela?
3: Um, I've used, in work, we use um, Microsoft Teams now for all of our meetings or like group chat. Um, But it's pretty funny because. Then your coworkers send something funny throughout the day and it just makes work a little more tolerable.
1: And I would imagine that you are much more comfortable with texting and and, and did you do have you done a lot of um, the Zoom meetings also in, in your
3: job? Yep. um, Not so much in my jobs. We still use Teams for that. Oh, the Um, Teams
1: rather than than Zoom.
3: Yeah, but I'll Zoom my friends uh, because everybody has iPhones and I have a Samsung, so (laughs) FaceTime doesn't work. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, but I've used Zoom a lot. Uh, I never thought I would have to Zoom my family for holidays like I did for Thanksgiving, but
1: (laughs) Yes, I understand. So I want to talk about vaccinations. And Carol, I'm going to ask you, have you received one or both vaccinations? Um,
2: yes, I got both of my vaccinations. I got the first one on February 12th, and then the second one on March 12th. And so I've also gone through the two week waiting periods. So I consider myself, you know, to be as protected as I'm probably ever going to be. And talk about
1: that process of what was that like, because that's what everybody spoke about is, gosh, life is going to get back to normal when we get the vaccine. So before that actually happened, what was it like to sign up and register? And what was your experience?
2: Well, I guess, you know, I guess the first vaccine's became available in December to to healthcare workers. And then maybe in early January, um, they started talking in, uh, in Arlington on social media and the county website about signing up to get it. And so I think that started sort of a, a, a couple of months of, of a lot of anxiety about when are you going to get it? You know, how soon are you going to get it? Because, uh, you know, I wanted to get it as soon as I could. And uh, I was not in the uh, first wave of people because I'm not in healthcare. care. Um, but, you know, waiting for that email from the county telling you that you can schedule an appointment. And then the excitement of that uh, was really uh, amazing to me that uh, how much that... Um, Chain, every day I thought about it. And then the night before I went to get my first vaccine, I sort of felt like a kid at Christmas. I was so excited. I could barely sleep because I was getting ready to go get this vaccine. And it was finally on the road of, uh, to normalcy, whatever that's going to be or when it's going to be. But, uh, so getting the vaccine was a piece of cake. I could not believe how organized they were. I was in and out in 25 minutes. And it was very easy, very smooth, you know, and everybody was happy and excited and nice. And, uh, you know, it was a very
1: good experience. And and after you got your second dose, like, did you send out a post on the Facebook page to let everybody know you were fully vaccinated? How did that work?
2: You know, I didn't do that because a few few friends and I talked about how that made other people feel bad who hadn't gotten the vaccine yet. That when friends would see somebody post, you know, a lot of people would post their little vaccine card and, um, or, and say, I got my second vaccine or even my first, that then there, the other people who haven't even gotten an appointment yet sort of maybe feel jealous or left out or it just made, might make them feel bad. So I sort of didn't brag about it. I just kept it to myself. But my friends and I, you know, sort of kept in touch and, and uh, would let each other know so that we
1: could uh, know when we all got vaccinated. And now that you, I'm assuming all of your friends are fully vaccinated as well, this these six friends? You know,
2: every everybody... I know is, has had at least one vaccine and, and all but one person has had their second one. There's one person who still needs to get their second one in about two weeks. But everybody else I know has been fully vaccinated and some people for several months, you know, since March, early March. So, uh, you know, I've had uh, a group of friends, uh, eight women who I'm friends with came to my backyard last week and we had a little gathering and we didn't wear masks because we all had been vaccinated and we'd all gone through our two-week waiting period. So we felt like we were outside and we should be able to sit and talk without a mask on. It was very liberating.
1: And have you dined in a restaurant? Or are you thinking about traveling? What about that?
2: No, you know what? i I haven't done a restaurant yet. I'm still doing carry out. okay. Uh, I, I don't I don't think I uh, trust other people well enough yet. <laughs> and so I'd rather just not take a chance to uh, to go inside a
1: restaurant. And, and any plans to travel? Mm, I don't
2: think I've gotten that far yet either. I certainly wouldn't get on an airplane yet. Okay. I just sort of feel still hesitant about an airplane. I might drive someplace, but I don't really have any plans to do that.
1: And if you are aware that somebody is not vaccinated at all or, or um, only partially vaccinated, do you uh, kind of keep your distance or how, how do you react when with that person?
2: You know, it's it, I, really for me, I, you know, I'm vaccinated, so I feel like I'm not really at risk. Uh, I mean, I sort of trust vaccines. I grew up trusting vaccines. I, you know, uh, grew up in the era of getting a polio vaccine as a, as a kid in school. So I'm used to the whole idea of a vaccine, and uh, it, it, I trust them. Um, so, But I still think, you know, other people who aren't complying and not wearing a mask are at risk and... Uh, I, w- I don't know if I could be a carrier. We don't know enough about COVID to know if I might not be getting sick, but maybe I have it, and uh, I don't want to give it to someone
1: by accident. Well, that's a, a good segue or into our break. Right now, we're going to take a short break. First of all, just to remind our, our listeners, we're talking with Carol Burnett, a longtime Arlington, Virginia resident, and Michaela Andrews, who is a health educator for the Department of Health in St. Petersburg, Florida. And you're listening to WERALP Arlington, 96.7 FM. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We are talking with Carol Burnett, a longtime Arlington, Virginia resident, and Michaela Andrews, a health educator for the Department of Health in St. Petersburg, Florida, about their views of being different generations of what they've experienced with um, COVID the last 14 months. We had them on this show back in July, and they're sharing their experiences now. And we just learned about getting the vaccination. Carol was telling about her experience. So, Michaela, talk about your plans for getting the vaccine. What What's your situation? Tell us a little bit about what your plans are.
3: So I'm not currently vaccinated. Um, I'm 24 with some autoimmune issues. So when the, I will get the vaccine, though, when I'm cleared to receive it.
1: Okay. And so what does that mean in terms of your behavior right now? Um, maybe you can kind of say in your work environment or wherever you are. Are you, are you still wearing a mask? Are you social distancing? What's happening in terms of your interaction with family and friends? Give us kind of the same uh, scenario of what you're doing as, as Carol did. I, I have, has your behavior changed any at all? Um, I wouldn't say my behavior has changed from
3: like when the vaccine, um, was announced to be given to everybody. Um, i still wear a mask. I still social distance. Like I said before, I work in a school, so we are still required to wear a mask and we still enforce COVID policies. Um, I'm actually the COVID coordinator, so I'm in charge of all that. <laughs> um. Unfortunately, I do live in Florida though. So that has been a hundred percent. Um, and even in some counties, no masks since about October. Um, and my first experience with that, my friend and I went to go get dinner one night. And as soon as we walked into the restaurant, somebody literally came up to us and tried to pull our masks off of our face. And they said, you don't need masks here. And we were like, excuse me, COVID or not, don't touch anything on my body. Like, um, So we left that restaurant, but um, I have dined in restaurants before the vaccine was announced. Um, I usually, especially in Florida, choose to sit outside because it's nicer. You're not as close to people. um, You're not sharing all that same air as constantly. Um, As for visiting people and traveling, um, I have had family. A lot of family come visit me. Um, My grandma actually just left yesterday. But she's fully vaccinated, so and ready to travel.
1: <laughs> but so far, you haven't traveled anywhere um, other than your car. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that.
3: So for Easter, I went home on a last-minute, random decision, um, and that was the first time I flew. But it was terrifying, and it was so packed. I was shocked. I was so shocked. But I was still happy to see, you know, they're cleaning. They are enforcing masks on planes. They will, they constantly come around. Even if somebody has it below their nose, they're pretty quick about it to say, Hey, you need to pull your mask up all the way. And they'll they'll get pretty nasty real quick if you're not listening. So (laughs) I am happy to see that.
1: Were you in an aisle seat or a window seat or a middle seat? What, what was your experience?
3: Um, I was in a window seat on the way back from Connecticut to Florida, and then on the way up, I was an aisle seat.
1: Okay. And I wanted to step back. You said you work in a school, and we've, we've heard on the news so much about bringing the students back to the school. Talk a little bit more about that experience now. What exactly – is the situation are are these are these elementary school, junior high school, senior high school? Talk to us about this school experience that you're you're in right now.
3: So I work for a high school, um, contracted through the Department of Health to work in the school at the school clinic. Um, it's been a very different, almost alternate universe experience in school this year. Uh, Kids have shortened classes. Uh, They have social distance seating um, and even placement that is enforced all about campus. Um, You have to wear your mask all the time. Um, I mean, you hear at the beginning of the school year, everybody was getting phone calls almost every single day saying, Oh, your kid may have come in contact with COVID. Please take precautions, but you don't need to quarantine. And it was just very terrifying and just kind of disbelieving almost, uh, and you didn't want to send your kid to school even now um, because you still get the calls that, you know, your kid's coming in contact with them, but don't worry, and it's not very reassuring, <laughs> um, and we have teachers out all the time. Um, sports, they are still trying to do sports, but, of course, it's restricted. We can't take as many players uh buses are a huge issue. Um, it's just been almost every single normalcy in schools is just questioned and almost taboo now.
1: And are, are all of the students back or do they have the option of still, uh, studying at home or taking classes at at home? What is that situation?
3: So here in my County, um, I believe we started the school year with about 25 percent kids in learning full time. Um, But as the school year has gone on, more kids have came back. And I believe um, I'm not sure how many we have enrolled now, but I would say we're about 75 percent in school and then 25% online. Um, of course we're very lenient nowadays. So if they call in and say, Hey, we're not feeling good. Um, we don't think it's COVID, but we're going to go get a test just in case or keep them home for the rest of the week. We're pretty lenient on it and saying, thank you for taking the precaution and not sending your kid to school sick. Um, but yeah, so they do have the option, but most kids are in person now. And I think a lot of that is for the social interaction with their friends.
1: And since you are in a different state uh, in, in Florida, what have been the rates you're hearing about uh, increase in, in cases at different states around the country? And I'm not up on which ones that's happening. Is is Florida one of the states where there's been an increase? Do you know?
3: Yes, I believe it has stayed up at the top since the start of everything. Um, a lot of it happens, you know, in Miami or Orlando at Universal and stuff. St. Pete in Tampa is pretty high also because we've had the Super Bowl. It's a popular beach destination um, in the school I work in. It has not crossing my fingers. Compared to all the other public schools in Pinellas, we're doing pretty good. Uh, some of my coworkers, I hear of 17 families in a day, are all reporting their positive student and then having to do the backtrack work on that. So I'm lucky. Most of the students at my school have been responsible wearing masks. Um, and we hear typically, I wouldn't say more than 10 a week on average. Which is still pretty high, but for a school of over two thousand students,
1: i guess I guess it's not, but even having cases is is unfortunate, but but the students also are not getting vaccinated, and so they could be carriers, even though they don't get that the the virus them itself. Is that correct?
3: Correct. Yes. Luckily, Florida did open it up for students 16 plus. um, And at school, I've talked to a lot of the students, those who most of them who are 16 years and older are willing to get the vaccine and have asked their parents to make them an appointment and are or are planning on scheduling it to go receive it. So that is an awesome sign and hoping that the academic areas can return back to normal.
1: And, and Michaela, you had mentioned about being really irate when you walked into the restaurant and somebody said, tried to take your mask off. I wanted to take that one step further about your reaction when you see people not wearing masks or social distancing. I'm reminded of recent. Uh, videos or, or broadcasts on the, on the TV, especially during spring break. And I think it was in Miami. I mean, everybody was just having a, a great time and didn't look like very many folks were wearing masks or social distancing. How, how do you react to that when you see it?
3: It's very weird. (laughs) Um, It almost looks like a movie, but even when I watch movies now, I think in the back of my head, why don't they have masks on? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, For all the Miami spring break videos, I mean, that was insane. I've been to Miami during spring break and I have never seen it look like that before ever. So I think more people were just extra ready to party, I guess, because of COVID. But Besides being terrified at that, I really all what I can think is I hope they all tested negative before going and isolated once they were home.
1: And Carol, what is what is your reaction? I remember you were not happy about that when I asked you that question in July. Uh, have you changed your mind, or how do you feel? <laughs>
2: I just don't understand why people can't wear a mask. It just doesn't even seem like a big deal to me. I mean, uh, what's the problem if it if it's gonna help make people not get sick, wear the mask what what's I just can't understand the problem with not doing it because it it doesn't really change your life any. It doesn't make anything different or difficult for you. We're not asking you to stay home. We're not, you know, we just want you to wear a mask when you're in public. And so it infuriates me that it became a political issue, you know, because a pandemic is not a political issue. A pandemic is a health issue and we all ought to get behind it and and just uh, get with the program and wear a mask. So uh, I'm frustrated by people. Uh, luckily, in Arlington, uh I I almost never see people not wearing a mask. I mean, maybe only out on the bike trail when people are outdoors and walking, and that doesn't bother me. But everybody complies in Arlington when you go to the grocery store and uh, CBS and things like that. People all have a mask on, and I have never seen any uh, problems where somebody being told you have to put on a mask or anything like that, I think... Uh, I think Northern Virginia is a, a progressive place that understands the value of masks. So I'm frustrated because uh, I'm afraid people are getting sick in Florida, and it's so unnecessary. They could have just worn a mask and gone out.
1: And, and to that point then, Carol, I, I because you are vaccinated already, uh, you, are I'm sure, are hearing about the news about coronavirus variants. Do you still feel pretty safe, Uh Do you anticipate that you may need to get a booster shot, either for a a variant or maybe six, 12 months down the way? How do you feel about that?
2: I I, I mean, you know, like everything that's COVID related, there are all these unknowns, and we don't know what these variants are, how many there are, how dangerous they are. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if we don't have to get a booster. Maybe next year they can make sure that the booster's just part of the annual flu shot. (laughs) And and we all go and get a flu shot. We can get our uh, booster at the same time. But um, it's a little scary, you know, the variants. You see on the news about Brazil. I mean, I think Brazil is still having 3,000 people a day die, which is just, to me, an incredible amount. And, uh, you know, you just don't know about this virus. It's such a strange thing, and new thing. So
1: it it concerns me a little. Okay. And, and Michaela, what are your thoughts about the coronavirus variants?
3: Um, It definitely makes me nervous um, just with there being a variant of it anyway. And it, um, allowing in young children, it's um, infecting them more, young children and adults um, more easily than before, and we're getting more severe side effects of it. Um, It also makes me nervous and not really sure about a lot of things, um, is that there's kind of inconsistent um, information in regards to the vaccines and their ability to protect us against the variants. So it kind of goes... With at it all, it's just so, just another day ahead. <laughs> we'll find out when it gets there.
1: You just have to stay tuned here for yeah. for the progress and now. And I believe now, Michaela, you mentioned that your your grandmother and other family members they've received the vaccine, or are they scheduled? What what's the situation with your family? Yep. Most of my
3: older family, uh, like my parents, my aunts, my uncles, my grandparents, they're all vaccinated. I believe everybody is completely vaccinated, finished everything. Um, My younger cousins who are in college or high school um, or who are trying to have a baby, um, they're not so sure yet if they're going to get it. Some people just don't feel comfortable yet. Um, My one cousin who is a sophomore in college told me he is planning on scheduling an appointment to receive it
1: okay and and how about you carol
2: well uh, m- most of uh, most of my family i mean all, all the um you know uh, relatives and everything are all older and and they've all gotten it um several of the nieces and nephews are teachers so they've now gotten it because they're um trying to get back into school and stuff. So they've gotten it. And just a a few of the really younger, um, you know, uh, school age, you know, elementary school age, those kids haven't gotten it in the family. But um, yeah, everybody else seems to have have gotten it. Um, And I think, I I don't know of a single family member who doesn't have uh, both shots.
1: Okay. Okay. And Michaela, you had mentioned that you had maybe a relative or two that were, are they opposed to getting the vaccine or they have just not gotten it?
3: Yeah, I haven't met anybody personally who is straight opposed to it. Um, Obviously in Florida, (laughs) I've seen people and heard their reaction. I don't know their name or anything. Um, But it's Florida too. So there are a lot of people, um, when I work at the vaccination clinic, there's a lot of people who come in and they say, well, when am I going to grow my third arm? Or, oh, that pinch must've been the microchip. And you kind of laugh it off, but it's also sad to remember at the end of the day that there are people in America and in the world who those are their legitimate opposition excuse to not get the vaccine. And it's just horrible. And if I ever do or am unable to have a conversation with those people. I'll try to give them the proper truthful information about it, and if they don't want it, I'll just walk away or because there's no sense with those people
1: well, and it's good that you have you are a health educator, and that to the extent that you can can educate them that that's a good thing, so we appreciate that. I also wanted to ask you, Carol. Despite the number of vaccinated people, and that's growing every day, are, are you surprised that there's still the number of COVID-19 cases is increasing?
2: Yeah, I don't, you know, that's what worries me is that I wonder if these cases are because of the variant or because people have just let down their guard and aren't wearing masks and aren't social distancing and I'm, I'm constantly sort of wondering when I see the news and they talk about the increase. I wish I knew more about what group it was increasing among, you know, is it, because if it's people who have been wearing masks and are social distancing, then this is a big problem because these, this means this isn't working. Uh, but if it's people... Like some of these people, Michaela talks about in Florida, who were in restaurants with no masks and no social distancing, then you know they're causing this to happen, and and that's a
1: problem. And and I'm sure it's not only a problem for uh, people like all of us, but for the medical personnel in hospitals who have to treat these folks, and so. I don't think we're out of the woods yet. So Mm -mm. I want to get back now to the questions that I asked both of you, not only in July, but um, today at the beginning of the program. And so, Carol, we'll start with you. So you talked about the changes in your life and the challenges you faced this past year. How is that whole scenario influencing or how will it influence, if it isn't already, the choices that you're going to make going forward?
2: Well, you know, I, I a little bit of me, um, I'm 69 years old, and so a little bit of me tells me that, you know, I I, I want to get on with my life. And, uh, you know, I... I, I might not have a lot of years uh, still ahead. So maybe I need to, you know, just forge ahead and move on and try to uh, get back to doing normal things, which is what I think I'm doing more and more of um, in my life. Because, uh, boy, you know, it, it, could this go on for two or three more years? When well, I think about how last year we thought uh, a lockdown for three months was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's been uh, over a year, and uh, are we going to be a year from now still sort of in this state of of uh, not doing things and, and staying home and everything? I hope not. So I, I'm, I'm ready to sort of start forging ahead, getting out there and doing things and, and just using some common sense.
1: And it sounds like you feel a little safer because you are fully vaccinated. I, I do.
2: I, I, I do feel safer. And I, you know, think, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know, life is a risk. Every time you get in the car, you uh, could be in a car accident. Uh, you know, there, there, there are no guarantees. So I think you have to just sort of um, be as, as thoughtful and careful as possible and not take unnecessary risks.
1: Okay, and Michaela, where are you at this point, in terms of changes and challenges and still anticipating getting the vaccine what What are your thoughts right now
3: um really, you know, throughout everything. Losing a lot of jobs, moving states, starting new jobs, making new friends. Um, it really just comes down to trusting like your, get, your gut instinct and your decisions um, while taking into consideration and listening to your support network and what other people are telling you, but to also just do the decisions that um, are good for your quality of life and your longevity and whatever you feel safe doing.
1: And with that said... Uh, I'm gonna go to you right now, Michaela, since you've been answering. Do you anticipate that your life will ever return to the normalcy that you had before COVID-19?
3: No, <laughs> Florida has been 100% open since October, and even even though I don't participate 100%, but. Um, There are still things that are here um, in place that I am thankful for and I think should stay, um, such as the extra cleanliness in restaurants, the airport, um, even on the streets and in public places, Um, schools and work being lenient on if somebody calls out sick, if they're actually sick, or if they're providing health insurance for their people or paying people livable wages. Um, And, of course, every other social matter that this time has brought out and stressed upon. Um, I think there were definitely things that needed to happen in our society, and even though it sucks, I think it's a good thing that we are not returning to completely how we were prior to the pandemic.
1: And and to that point, Michaela, do you think that you'll probably be wearing uh, a mask for the foreseeable future?
3: I, in the definitely foreseeable future, I would say definitely in schools, uh, crowded places, airports, I think they will be made mandatory for a long time in areas like that.
1: How about you, Carol? Do you anticipate life will ever really return to normal the way it was before COVID?
2: You know, I I, I guess I, I have to think that maybe five years down the road, it might be because, you know, certainly after the Spanish flu epidemic and in 1919, um, you know, sometime in the in the 20s, uh, things did get back to normal. So, um, I, I I have to think that they will. Um, but I think we'll be wearing masks for a couple of years. Uh, I think just it, it's it's a given, and I don't think it's a big deal. <laughs> I I don't mind the mask. Um,
1: and, and in this context of returning to normalcy, whatever that looks like for you, is there anything in particular, Carol, that you worry about in terms of, of the future? And, and if so, what is it and, and why? You, you know, I, I have to, to
2: wonder, uh, it, uh, are there more viruses out there like this that we're going to start to see? I mean, I, I don't feel like we really know how this happened and, uh, you know, how it originated and where it came from. We don't have a, a total clear understanding of that. So uh, I think what worries me the most is will there be some other, you know, COVID-2 or is some some other uh, uh virus that's not a COVID virus that's out there that's going to cause this to happen down the road. I mean, how often are we going to see these viruses now uh, in society if we don't find out how we got this one?
1: And this time, might there be a vaccine or not, right? Yeah, well,
2: uh, hopefully they, they, they've now figured this out. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're pretty good with vaccines. Right. It's, a, it's impressive what they've been able to do.
1: Michaela, what worries you most about the future?
2: The uncertainty
3: of everything, of life, freedom, jobs, um, how well the vaccine protects us, how long it lasts. um, And, you know, when will this return to normal? Uh, Will kids ever be able to play actual normal sports again? Are we going to be able to go to dinner parties and travel to see our family and not have to worry about being vaccinated or wear masks or um getting that booster shot or just second guessing everything we do.
1: I would also ask you, Michaela, because I remember again, last July you were a graduate student and you were thinking about a, a job. And of course, gosh, over the last fourteen months we've heard so much of the economic impact of the of COVID. Do you worry that you could lose your job again, that we could go back and everything could shut down? And, and I'm not only talking about you, but your, your friends and your colleagues, people your age, uh, is that a worry, uh, of your peer group?
3: Oh, definitely. I mean, having just graduated college, we're already broke enough. Um, I try not to think. So what if in that perspective, cause then I feel like I'm going to jinx it and, When it happens, I'm just like, oh, I knew this was going to happen. So I try to stay positive on that side. But that is a very realistic concern, I think, among a lot of people, even older than me, I mean. And especially without any support, like, you really rely on whatever you have in your savings account. And you better hope it will be enough to feed your family and pay your bills.
1: All right. So final question for each of you. So we'll start with you, Carol what advice would you give your peers as they think about how life will be in this new world?
2: I I think I would probably tell them that, uh, they should, should try to, uh, uh, enjoy life as much as they can and figure out ways that they can still be social and see their friends and do things and, um, just be careful, uh, wear a mask and, uh, uh, don't go put yourself into places where you, you might be more at risk. But I think, uh, I'm ready for us to, to ease back in here. Uh, now that we've got vaccines and just continue to wear masks.
1: Michaela.
3: I would say, even if we're not all, not all, um, in the same boat, We are still all facing this pandemic together along with the other issues. We are all molting our new practices, our new comforts, our likes, our dislikes, um, and adjusting to the consistent everyday changes all together. And we just have to remember to be patient and stay calm and do what is best for us and our family and keeping everybody safe at the end of the day.
1: Both of you gave really very sage advice to our listeners. And I want to thank you both, Carol Burnett and Michaela Andrews, for joining me again today. It was nice to have you back and to share your feelings 14 months since the last interview. I really appreciate it. I also want to mention to listeners to learn more about Aging Matters, you can visit our website at www.agingmattersonline.com. And at that site, you will be able to access all the Aging Matters radio and TV show content that we've produced. And you'll also be able to access the Aging Matters podcasts on Apple and Spotify. And finally, you can subscribe to the Aging Matters monthly email newsletter. That way, if you subscribe, you can receive updates about new radio shows and TV episodes that are coming up. Aging Matters is produced in association with Ink Mouth Media. If you'd like to learn more about Ink Mouth Media, log on to InkmouthMedia.com. Thank you for listening to Aging Matters today. And remember, age is just a number, not a label. I'll be back again with you next week. Aging Matters is brought to you in part by Kathy Coridan, Senior Real Estate Specialist. Kathy is a realtor with KW Metro Center in Alexandria and works with seniors in Alexandria, Arlington, and D.C. to make selling their home and moving less stressful and more successful. More information is available at 703-971-7237 or ccatkw at gmail.com.